Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. All right, guys. Um, so Pastor Ryan, uh, a couple weeks ago, asked me to preach. And it's funny how all this comes about, right? Um, I had just finished praying a couple hours before. And had been praying a personal prayer, something that had been, uh, God had been placing in my heart. And literally a couple hours later, I get a text message from Pastor Ryan. He never calls, by the way. He always texts. I don't know. I don't get that. Um, but he, he sends me a text, and he's like, hey, bro, can you preach on the 13th? And I started laughing because of the way that God works. Again, I had just finished praying a prayer, and I'm like, all right. All right, God, I see you. You, you, you got jokes. I, I got you. All right, I'm going to be obedient. So I sent him a thumbs up emoji. And for those of you who don't know, a thumbs up emoji to Pastor Ryan, he doesn't know how to d- take that. He, he, uh, he doesn't know if it's sarcastic. He, he doesn't know how to take it. So he's like, I, bro, I, I don't know how to take this. So I'm just going to throw my hands up and say, you know, that you're taking this 100% on. I say, yeah, bro, I got this. But then I had to call him back and I was like, hey, bro, what's up with all this? Like, are you doubting or something? And he was just like, nah, bro, I just... You know me. I don't know how to take certain things. So you guys know Pastor Ryan. All right. So um, I had been praying heavily to see what, what it is that God wanted me to share with you guys. And at first, I'm not going to lie to you, uh, the Holy Spirit had placed something in my heart on it's, it's so much more. The theme was it's so much more. And I wanted to preach on John 2 on uh, the miracle from uh, water to wine. But then, God has a funny way of working, right? Wednesday, I started feeling in my spirit that that wasn't the word. Like, it's the word that I'm going to bring at a later time. But something really started shifting. And it was around worship. And I said, God, are you sure this is what you want? Look, here I go again, right? Are, Are you sure? Like, you know, it's not the other one. I already had the other one prepared. I was already good. You're giving me three days now. I had two weeks before. Now you got, you're giving me three days. So he said, no, this is it. And it was confirmed on Thursday and confirmed once again today. So with that being said, I will be preaching under the theme called Worship in Spirit and Truth. More often times than not, when you hear this message, you know the truth. You know truth. But what do we do with spirit? And what a lot of preachers tend to do, or what a lot of people will tend to do as they read, is that they think that it's a connection to the Holy Spirit. But there's so much more in your spirit. So let's open up our Bibles. Let's go ahead and stand up one more time. I don't know why you guys sat down. You know, we, we, we reverence to the word of God here. And we're going to be going to the book of John, chapter 4. And we're going to be reading from verse 23 and 24. All right. When you guys have it, I need to hear a strong amen. Like you guys have had your breakfast, like you guys have had your coffee, like that Pentecostal amen. amen. Oh, man, we're still asleep here. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I hear this side a little bit more Pentecostal right now. Let, let's do it again. All right. When you have it, say amen. amen. There we go. There we go. All right. So I will be reading from the NLT version. And the word of the Lord says this. 
But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. When true worshipers, say that with me, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of your Son, my God. And we give you all honor and all glory, Father, for you have created all things. My God, and as I begin this sermon, my God, I pray that it be less of me and more of you, Father. Oh, Holy Spirit, how I pray that you anoint my lips. I pray that it be your words, my God, and not mine. Father, I pray for those hearts, my God, who are new who may not know who you are, Father. I pray that this word may fall on fertile ground, my God. And for those who are already believers, my God, that they may see their need to worship in spirit and in truth, my God. All this I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And the church said? Amen. All right, all right, we're getting better, we're getting better. So as I previously mentioned, this message sometimes has been preached in a different way. Here we find Jesus going through Samaria to get to Galilee. He had just come back. He was traveling from Judah, Judea, sorry. And going through Samaria was not the ideal way because of what Samaria was known for. You see, back in the day, Jews, uh, when they were still captives to Assyrian, they were dispersed, and some of them settled here in Samaria. And those Jews ended up marrying some foreign women. What does that mean? It means that they weren't Jews. So Jews saw them as impure. So what the Jews did, what the religious people did, is they would try to do anything at all costs to go through that route. Are you capturing what I'm saying? The religious mindset will say, don't go there. Because that place is not worthy. But praise God that Jesus did not see it that way. Jesus ends up taking this shortcut. And he finds himself at the well. And he begins a conversation with this woman. And in this dialogue, she's asking him certain questions. He's responding to her. And what really uh, captivates me is how we get to this worship part. In verse 19, she says, Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while Samaritans claim that it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped? 21 says, Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming Will it would no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. What does that tell you, guys? That your location does not matter. You no longer need to come to church to worship. You can worship God in your car. You can worship God in your work. You can worship God in a hotel room or in the streets when you're out at a restaurant. There is no set place. There is no limit to where we can worship. But it's crazy, right? Because more often times than not, we go Monday through Saturday without worshiping God because we feel that it needs to be on a Sunday. 
What a difference in our mindset. When you realize that there is no limit or place to where you can worship, your mindset starts to shift. But he goes even further. He says, You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while the Jews we know knows all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. What is he saying? He's not saying that the Jews are our Savior. Christ, the Messiah, is our Savior. He comes from the Jews. And I love, I love the fact that here he is speaking to a woman, an adulterous woman, who has been with several men. And yet he says, hey, don't worry about where you worship. It's crazy. We get so close-minded with how we worship we get so close-minded because we start to see our past. We, start, we, we, we see all that we aren't, right? Like, we want to be more like Christ, but God, I continuously fail. And sometimes that will limit your worship. But I'm here to tell you today that after today that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you how to worship in spirit and in truth. Amen? So now we get to our principal text. What does it mean to worship in the spirit? I don't know about you guys. I've asked myself that. Isaiah 51, 17. Pastor Danny just talked about this in the Spanish service. It says, let me go to it because I don't want to paraphrase it here. I, I want to do it some justice. The sacrifice that you desire is a broken spirit. A broken spirit. You will not reject a broken heart and a repentant, a, a, a broken and repentant heart. You see, your spirit has to be broken before God. You have to acknowledge that you, by your own strength, can't accomplish anything. You, by your own might, can't do anything. You can have all these materialistic possessions in the world, but what God requires is a humble heart before him, recognizing that you are sinful by nature and that you need more of him. Now we can better understand why Zechariah says, it is not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. It is not us It's God that we need. Don't put your faith in yourself. Put your faith in man. Acknowledge who he is. He is sovereign over everything. He is the creator of this world. Don't think that he doesn't know what you're going through. But then you go to the Beatitudes. Because the Beatitudes message uh, states the poor in spirit. And the Beatitudes... Matthew 5.3 says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You see, we first have to identify what, is, what does it not mean to be poor in spirit. It is not someone who has dealt with rejection. 
It is not someone who has dealt with abuse. It is not someone who has a low self-esteem. Because this world feels those same things. But notice how he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. What does it mean? Well, I did some studying for you. And blessed means happy. And the Greek word is makarios. So happy are the poor in spirit. You see, when you just realize who you are at the core of your heart, you come before God and you give him your all. You give him your everything. You know that by yourself you can't do anything. But God sent his son to die for us on a cross. There's such a difference. Be happy. He's telling you to be happy despite being poor in spirit. Or be be happy in the poor in spirit. I don't know about you guys. But there's a difference in the happiness that this world offers than what God offers. You see, this world is trying to change who you are. They're trying to change your identity. They're trying to change your language. They're trying to change how you think. And here we are, knowing what the truth is. What the, what the, the happiness that the world offers can't compare to the joy, the happiness that our God offers. There's such a difference. You see, you realize who you are because of the Holy Spirit. The moment that you accept it, Lord, uh, uh, your God, uh, Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there begins a process in you. The Holy Spirit begins to do a work. That work comes from above. You can't do it here. It has to come from the Holy Spirit. So that Holy Spirit then starts to deal with you. He starts to work in you. And no matter what your situation is, what troubles you've seen, you start to experience a joy. I don't know about you guys, but the day that I came to Christ, man, it's been the happiest day of my life. And I've seen a lot of things in my life. I've gone through problems in my marriage. I've gone through problems at work. I've gone through problems with friends. I've gone through problems with my family. But praise God, because I am happy. I am here today preaching you on the good news. Three years ago, you wouldn't have seen this from me. You would not have seen this from me. The joy that I feel is so much different. You see, you, the, this world will offer you all these things in your lust. Your flesh desires all these other things. But when you submit to the will of God and you start to see the things that you once loved, you now hate. It's, so, it's such a difference. And this is why there's a lot of issues in the church right now. Because people come to the altars on an emotional state, but not with a true change. So many people want a touch of God, but I don't want a touch of God. I want God to dwell in me. And that is what we need. We need God to dwell in us. We need that Holy Spirit to work in us so he can turn what doesn't belong. So that he can start to change what doesn't belong. Then all of a sudden you start to see things differently. That joy, man, you see that cup as half empty. Now you see it as half full. You know what? This water's pretty good. 
right? Maybe you don't have a car, but that bus pass seems kind of nice now with gas prices, right? Maybe the woman that you once married was not the one that you needed her to be at that time, but she's now that for you. You see, when you put everything in front of God, when you realize who you are before God, it changes. Moses in, 30, uh, Moses in Exodus uh, 33, he says, I will not go unless your presence is with me, unless your presence goes with me. Isaiah in chapter six, uh, 6 says that he knows that he is sinful. Peter in the book of Luke uh, chapter 5 realizes who he is in front of Jesus. But church, who are you before Christ? How do you see yourself? You see, you can lie to every one of us. I can lie about who I am. But when you bow down and you kneel before a sovereign God, you cannot hide that. You come to God in prayer knowing who you are. And the only thing that keeps you up, the only thing that keeps you breathing, the only thing that sustains you is God. But church, I'm here to tell you today. You need to see where your spirit is truly at. There is a need for you to truly identify your heart. We can't go to God with pride. Oh, God, you've blessed me today. Thank you, God. Can I ask you a question? And you don't have to answer it. You can say amen or or ouch. But do you go to God whenever things are good? Do you go to God when things are bad? Can I ask you a question? Can you simply go to God just to worship? You see, that's the problem. We fail to acknowledge God for who he is. We worship God for all that he has done. But if he had done nothing else in your life, can I just point you to one thing that would be enough? The cross. There he took your sin, my sin, the sin of this world. No one else could do that but God. And there you have Jesus saying, forgive them, for they did not know what they do. We have to identify what the true nature of our heart is. When you worship in the spirit, again, Go before a broken heart, with a broken heart. The book of James, let's all turn there really quick. James chapter 4. For those of you who don't know, it's after Hebrews and before 1 John. Chapter 4. Verse 7. Let me get that strong Pentecostal amen again. Amen. I don't know. <laughs> Let's do that one more time. I don't know. Pastor Ryan will be like, what, what, then I don't hear an amen out there. Look, let's say amen so that not only Pastor Ryan can hear it from where he's at, 
but so the gates of hell can tremble. Let's get that again. Do you guys have it? Oh, there we go. All right. Chapter 4, verse 7 says, So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and who? The world. Now do you see the difference when you talk about worshiping in spirit and in truth? That spirit, you have to know who your, what your spirit is. You have to be of humble heart. Your heart has to be pure when you come to God. You know what I love about the word of God? You know what I love about worship? Is that in your worship, it brings freedom. I don't know about you guys, but the word tells us that we not only need to be hearers of the word, but but what? But what? Doers. And if the word tells me that we need to worship, and we have a great example in David, then why do we just worship At least give it a little wiggle or something. <laughs> Do a little two-step. But, but we're, our, we're slaves to our own worship. We're slaves to our own worship. We get so close-minded with what worship should be. You know, and, and I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not trying to be a hypocrite here. That was me. I would clap thinking that that was enough. Now I got a little bounce in my step. (laughs) Pretty soon, I'm going to be jumping. Once my knee gets better. (laughs) Look, old age. But your worship will bring you freedom. When you worship in spirit and in truth, man, the chains that once held you captive, the, the chains that held you bondage, you start, to, you start to see them free. You start to, like, they start to fall. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You're like, yes, baby, let's jump. Let's jump. Why? Because when you worship in spirit and in truth, you get freedom. The spirit of the Lord is freedom. But we don't do that. We don't. Let's be real. Let's be real, church. We tend to think of, what are they going to say about me? What are they going to say about me? Watch, check this out. What if you're worshiping at work? What are they going to say about you? You see, more often times than not, we're identified by what we, pre- why we, by what we present. And if we don't have that representation of Christ in us at work, what are we, pre- what are we presenting? 
such a difference in our worship. Even in your trials, even in your frustration, always worship God. Acts 15, 16, sorry, Acts 16. This is what Paul and Silas are in jail. And they've been beaten up. And the crazy thing is what they got beaten up for. And they were chained up and bound. They locked the gate and and threw away the key. And what does scripture tell us? That as they were worshiping, what ended up happening? The what? The shackles broke. But it says something else as well. Huh? Gates were open. But it says something else. There was an earthquake. What does that mean? That means that your worship can cause the gates of hell to tremble. Your worship can cause the enemy to flee. You see, what does the enemy know about worship? What does he know? He knows everything. Why? That's what, that was his job. So he knows about worship. He knows that when you get into the presence of God, what can happen? He knows that when you get into the presence of God, there is freedom. And this is why he tries to take it away from you. Your worship, the moment that you start to feel it, Oh, baby, you better start getting it, and you better hold on to it, and you better just start to say, you know what, God? I praise you because my situation tells me that I'm locked up, but my, you tell me that I am free. And then all of a sudden, those shackles that tried to hold you, baby, they can't hold you. You start to jump. You start to dance. You start to get free. You see, I don't care about how foolish I look up here doing this. I don't. You see, David's wife ridiculed him for dancing. Not that David. (laughs) You see, King David was ridiculed by his wife. But I love what David says. He's like, I don't care. I'll look foolish. I know who my God is. I know what he's done for me. He is my redeemer. He is my savior. And no matter what, he is worthy of all praise and all worship. But it's such a difference. Don't let the chains, the bondage of what you're currently going through stop you from worshiping. Don't let it. Imagine if you did. Imagine if you cared about what people thought of you all because you wanted to worship your creator. How about this? What if you wanted to worship your savior? You see, this world can go to a concert and they could jump and they could dance and they could, you know, do all these little things. But how much more should we worship For the blood that was shed on that tree. Can I just tell you something today? And it's not a secret. 
There is power in his name. There is power in his blood. Tell your neighbor, there's power in his blood. Next time you see me, you better make some room. That's right. You jump, Brother Edward. You see, you're not identified by your situation. You're not identified by your problems. You're identified by what Christ says about you. He doesn't know you by your sin. He doesn't know you by your trouble. He already knows all that. But what he's looking for is a heart that's humbled before him. You can lock me up, but you cannot take away my freedom. So we see worshiping in the spirit is so much more than just connecting to the Holy Spirit. It is your spirit. It is your spirit. But now what do we do with truth? See, because he says to worship in in spirit and in truth, right? And he says... That indeed, the time is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So if he's telling me that when true worshipers will have to worship the Father, that's letting me know that there's also a false worship. You see, because if there's truth, there's also lies. So what are those false worshipers? I just touched on a couple of them. But what does that mean to the believer? That means you can't just worship in one avenue. You're called to worship in two avenues, the spirit and the truth. You can try to worship in the spirit, but if there's no truth in your spirit, you can't do that. Likewise, if, there's, if you're worshiping in truth, but you're not broken and humble before God, then you're no longer worshiping in the spirit. So there is a false worship. But what do we do with truth? What, what, what is truth? Pilate asked that question. What is truth? You guys want to know what truth is or what truth does? Let's get it. See, your truth will confront anything and everything. Your truth will confront every situation head on. As I mentioned with Paul and Silas, they're in a jail. But when they worshiped in the spirit and in the truth, they didn't care. They confronted that situation head on. Every apostle in the Bible, every prophet in the Bible had to suffer at the cost of confronting the truth. To speaking God's word. So you see... Your truth will confront. And your truth offends. It will offend. 
How many times have you said something to be blatantly honest and it hurt that person? It offended them. My wife asked me one time, how do I look in this? I was honest, gently honest. I said, babe, you know, I like this one better. <laughs> but you see, when you, bring out, when you start to say the truth, it's, it's going to offend people. Let me ask you a question. What do you see right now in this world? That the truth of the gospel offends You see truth, and they see lies. You know truth. They know deception. It's crazy to me that everybody talks about unity. Everybody talks about acceptance. But when it comes to the gospel, that's not true. But you know what the good thing is that truth does us all? It, it reveals. It reveals. You know, this war that's going on right now with Russia and the Ukraine, I honestly did not know that 80% of the population in the Ukraine was Christian. I didn't know that. And when I heard it from the, from the missionary lady, I forget her name, uh, two weeks ago, I'm not, I don't know about you guys, but I like to fact check. I'm like, wait, wait a minute, like, let's see if this is true. And in 2018, 71% of the population, of the Ukrainian population, identified as Christians, believers. You see, your truth will offend those around you. It will confront those around you. But it also allows you Revelation. And in that revelation, you start to experience the freedom. A freedom that you never knew. But can I tell you one last thing that truth does? It leads you to Christ. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So you see, worshiping in spirit and truth is so much more. It is so much more than what we can comprehend or understand. As you read your scriptures, as, as you study the Bible, as you get down on your knees and pray, Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal. This book contains so many answers, all the answers. But we do so little to study it. If we got paid at our job to read a book that's 2,000 pages long, you best believe you're going to read that book, right? But when there's a book that's showing you the way to eternal life, we can't even spend 10 minutes to it. Can I tell you something? 
if your phone tells you you're more, you spend more time on your phone than you do in the word of God, in prayer, there's an issue. How do you expect to worship when you don't even give him time? There's so much more to this. But we need to be able to understand. We need that revelation. When you understand who Christ is in your life, when you understand that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life, can I just tell you, things change. Your atmosphere changes. Your environment changes. Those who, the ones who you hated the most at one time, you now love. Maybe it's an ex-husband. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a family member. But you see them with a new vision. You see them in a new light. All of a sudden, in your heart and in your spirit, you say, man, I got to tell this guy about the, 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 the gospel. I got to tell him about who Christ is in my life. You see, the gospel message isn't for us to keep. It's for us to share. Don't hold on to your message. Don't hold on to your testimony. Let everybody know what God has done in your life. And when the trials come and the storms come, you know that your foundation is built on the solid rock. Let's go ahead and stand up. I don't know about you guys. There has to be more to our worship. We have to acknowledge who God is in our lives. So many times we go through things and we try to do things on our own. Why? So many times we work hard for our earthly possessions. You can't even take those up to heaven. Spend your time before God with a humble heart. Get on your knees. Acknowledge who he is. There's so much more to our worship, guys. And I ask, where are the true worshipers? Where are the worshipers that will worship in the spirit and in the truth? Where are the worshipers who can be humble before God no matter their situation, no matter their hurt? Don't just cry out to God when you need something. Don't just get on your knees whenever you want something. Can I just tell you, that's selfishness. I'm not saying you can't ask, but when you go into prayer just to ask for things, we're treating God as a puppet. If he gave you everything that you ever wanted, how would you be? You would be spoiled. 
And that's all you would know is let me ask, ask, F, because I'm going to get, get, get. But when do you give your true worship? You know, this whole week I've been, I've been feeling a spirit of depression and I, 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 I felt it and it's not because of me. I just feel like there's people right now that are spiritually depressed. There are people right now who are resenting. There are people right now who are hurting. But like I said, there's power in his name. So I started rebuking those things. I got those, I just went to prayer and I said, God, in the name of Jesus, bring freedom. Bring freedom. He is sovereign, guys. He deserves so much more. So much more than what we've been giving. And I speak for myself as well. I'm not trying to be a hypocrite. By no means of the imagination. You know what brought me the most conviction this week? I wasn't going to say this, but I, I feel the need to say it just so that you guys can see the transparency. I started fasting on Friday for this sermon. But what hurt me the most right now is that why haven't I fasted before? Why don't I fast for when Pastor Ryan or Pastor Danny are going to bring the word? You see, our praise, our worship can sometimes be so selfish. But I'm here to tell you today, there's freedom. There's freedom in your worship. But we need to worship in spirit and truth. Acknowledge who he, he who sits on the throne, who reigns forever. He is an immutable God. He is unchanging. So as we open up with the song, I ask if there's anybody here who just simply wants to come to the altar just to worship, to worship freely. I invite you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.